Hello, listeners. I'm J.D. Hall. Welcome to Urban Legends and Scary Stories, a podcast that discusses a wide range of topics such as paranormal encounters, urban legends, and scary stories. I will be reading the conclusion of Somnium, a short story by P.D. Aliva, which can be found in his book, Beyond the Chamber Door. I would like to provide a short disclaimer before we start. This episode of Urban Legends and Scary Stories contains adult language and instances of violence. If you are below the age of 18 or don't enjoy this kind of content, please find a different episode of Urban Legends and Scary Stories to enjoy. If you do enjoy this story, please find the author on Twitter at PDAlevaAuthor. That's at P-D-A-L-L-E-V-A-A-U-T-H-O-R. Or visit his webpage at pdaliva.com. If you enjoy today's reading, remember to subscribe to the Urban Legends and Scary Stories podcast. You can find me, J.D. Hall, on Twitter at ULSS underscore podcast. And now, on to the story. The moon was full, and Charlie often went to the beach during full moons where he'd sit and read or write. There was that one moment, so long ago removed, when he felt real peace with the sea. That same summer evening, when the sun was consumed with the darkness of clouds and he hovered in the water, eyes just above the waves as the rain sprinkled across his eyes, he felt he found where greatness was hiding. It was there in his heart, and ever since that moment he understood he was meant to live that greatness. Give me a sign, please, he pouted at the moon. The air was cold and the waves crashing onto the sand. He could feel their icy sting as if he were there in the water. He was alerted to the presence of a man sitting behind him. Charlie was drawn to him as he was not sitting in the proper place to view the ocean and the moon, but instead was taking in the uh, in the view of the parking lot. He's here for me, listening to my thoughts, listening to my mumbling and stories. Charlie could see the man, successful and hailed for his literacy sense. He hated him instantly. Charlie reminded him of their night on the beach, and with wide eyes, this man knew his fate, for he'd written about the thoughts Charlie had spoken openly about. But Charlie reached for the man's throat, forcing him to the floor. Quickly, a knife was stabbed through his shoulder. The pain excruciating, agonizing. He screamed as a second knife was thrown into his left shoulder, pinning him to the floor. Charlie laughed at the man, pulling a plastic bag over his head and tightening it around the neck. Charlie glared at him, oxygen subsiding, his eyes bulging, and Charlie rubbed his nose across his, through his forehead against the man's skull as the air pulled from his lungs. Charlie nipped at the man's flesh with his teeth then repeated, thrashing his face with his forehead. Grinning at the man, pinning him down as the lungs collapsed and the man fell dead. Charlie stared at the dead, soulless face and black eyes staring back at him through that plastic bag. He saw his father in those eyes. They looked just like his. Charlie was dressed in his finest. Act professional, he thought. He introduced himself and was offered a seat in the auditorium. Mr. Sist was one of those Nuevo Riche artistic types, the kind that made Charlie sick to his stomach. 
He couldn't stay in the sight of the man or to be in his presence. And to think, he thought, this is the man who's going to make my career. He wanted to take Sist by the hair and throw him across the room, make him bleed and fear for his life. Tell me about your story, Sist said. He'd invited Charlie to his office after more than a few rehashes of the same scene the stage actors just couldn't seem to bring to fruition to Sist's standards. Charlie's heart fluttered. He couldn't get the words out. Why am I forced into such a hole? Why did I need to defend myself to the little pissant producing plays in this shithole of a town? Another failed dreamer. He'll never recognize the beauty of my story. Sist raised his eyebrows. The play, he said. Charlie fumbled through his notebook. Well, it's about... He paused, glancing over a story in the notebook. Did I write this? He thought. No. Yes, I did, but this isn't what I was looking for. It's the wrong notebook. I brought the wrong fucking notebook. He flipped through the pages. Say something. More pages whisked through his fingers. And, well, here we go. The words fell off the page. He stuttered and turned red. Sist was interrupted. Another dreamer called for his assistance. Charlie settled into his seat while Sist met with this person privately. Outside the office, only to return quickly. Sorry, Jimmy, he said. There's an emergency that I must attend to. Please come back tomorrow. They shook hands. Charlie wasn't sure what to say. He felt uncomfortable in his skin. Thank you, Mr. Sist, and I really want to apologize for my nervousness, but I am grateful for this opportunity. He smiled real big. Who is this person, he said to himself. Makes me sick to my stomach. Don't worry about it, Jimmy. Just bring that play with you. He rushed off. But my name's Charlie, Jimmy said. He was dressing the next morning. The apartment was small, a studio that could only manage a small bed, hot plate, and tiny refrigerator. A bathroom stuck in the corner, just big enough for a bathtub and toilet. The sink was outside the bathroom, and the room itself. He had his notebook, the right one this time, on the bed, and when he was looking all professional, he yanked off his tie and sat down beside the bed, holding his head. The meeting was scheduled for one in the afternoon, but Charlie was not in attendance. He was in his room, sick to his stomach. The man has no vision, he said out loud. His presence wasn't missed. Sist went about his day, like any other, devising ways to bring the written word to the stage. And Charlie remained on the floor, as day sank into darkness with stars that crept into existence ushered in by the night. Charlie, stiff and aching, carried himself to the bathroom where he met with Jimmy's eyes glaring back at him in the mirror. He'd grown old, Jimmy had, and Charlie traced every wrinkle, every blemish. Like a young man trapped in a decaying body, the scene behind Jimmy reflected the apartment Charlie stood in, but with howling winds and small goblins with yellow eyes that gleamed as they watched him. They whispered in the darkness, Come home, Charlie. Come home. Jimmy turned to Charlie. You fumbled again, he said. But they have no vision. Charlie urged. No one even understands. Jimmy shook his head. Everything is a struggle. That's how the dream weeds out the undeserving. I don't understand. There's always been signs. There's always been direction. But you chose to ignore them. So that I should become Judas? 
give in to conformity? No. Those who believe in the dream understand there is no conformity. There is only the dream. But I always believed in the dream. I, you gave up. When it got too tough, you retreated. The dream's not dead. The dream never dies. It just moves on to the next in line, and those who never come to fruition are pushed aside to aid in the manifestations of the dream. The dream always exists. Did you really believe you're that special? Can you understand that the dream is there for the masses? That it's the same for everyone, but only a few attain the recognition? What are you saying? Jimmy sighed. There will be other successes, as small as they are. Other fulfillments, but the greatest dream of all will be given to another. Your lot in life has diverted along a more familiar path. So, is it over then? Never. The dream is cosmic, just as we are forever. But in this life, with that coil you wear so proudly, yes, the dream is gone, and another shall take your place. You stood by idly as the dream brushed across your path, and now there is another in line willing to grab at it and tuck it inside a breast pocket. I became a catalyst for another, Charlie's eyes whispered disappointment. He turned away. Why do you do this to us? I can't understand why you do this. Their eyes met. Why do you wish me to why do you wish to persecute me, to defile me, and to tear my heart to shreds? I am the dream keeper, Jimmy said with a glint in his eye. I offer them freely. He held out his hand, his fingertips sharp and long, and crushed them at my will. As he closed his hand, his fingernails tore into his skin. Blood dripped from his palm. Do what you wish, Jimmy said, but this dream will never be yours. A meek existence, Charlie said under his breath, but you promised. If I did what you said, you promised, and I did. I did it all. I did it all for you. Jimmy shook his head. No, Charlie, you did it for you, and he started to laugh. You wanted that dream so bad you'd kill for it. He let his laughter subsided. His eyes gleamed with fire. Now look at you, consumed with regret and shame. You couldn't even land a job handed to you on a silver platter. You race and you go along with the notion that you deserve all fine things while sweeping sin and shame under the rug. You think the dream will find your shoulder to be carried on without even a break of sweat on your brow? No, Charlie, this dream will pass to another. I don't believe it. That is of no concern to anyone. You can be bitter, but the dream is chosen, and the choice is not you. Charlie touched the mirror as Jimmy faded and was gone. It's all done, Charlie said. It was a lie. A lie they told me to keep me under the thumb, and I did everything for them. All that they wanted and all that they asked, just give me my dream. He dropped to the floor, leaning against the sink. What school wanted? What society deemed was necessary. I paid tuition. I rose above. I passed my classes. Why? 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 Can't I have that dream? Not mine? Not mine? I can't believe you said it's not mine. He remained there until the morning sun beamed through the drawn shades. Charlie got up from the floor. He dressed. Stood naked in the room. His eyes were drawn, dark, and crimson. He turned on the bathwater, steaming hot. 
and plugged the drain. He cut himself across the arm with a thin blade, let the blood drip into a pool by the sink, squeezed the wound. There was never enough blood. He dipped his fingers into the pool and traced lines in the mirror. When the bath was finished, he stretched his limbs in the scolding water, sunk his head but couldn't feel the sting. He stayed there a long while, refilling the tub with hot water when the temperature dropped. I'm already dead, he said, and choked back the tears. They'll never understand. Never could understand. He tucked in his lip, cringing, and held his temples. Anna, why did you leave? he cried. How crazy do you think I am? He turned on the shower, as hot as it could be. Listen to the water hit the bath like rain falling into the ocean. The slice was quick, straight down the vein, and the bath turned red. How I wish you were here, Anna, he proclaimed. How I wish you were here to hold and to have in this constant nightmare to shrug off the darkness and capture the dream. It hides in the dark recesses of hell where all the pain has gone. I must find it. His body shuddered just once. Eyes fell slowly. The water rushed from the shower, pounding into the bath and spraying his skin. Blood galloped from the vein as the heart struggled to beat. His head fell to the side and his body turned pale. His eyes closed to the light. On the mirror, written in blood, was his story. Persomnium in Inferno Capir. This concludes Somnium, a short story by P.D. Oliva. You can follow the author on Twitter at P.D. Oliva Author. That's P-D-A-L-L-E-V-A-A-U-T-H-O-R. You can also visit his webpage at pdaliva.com. You can follow me on Twitter at U-L-S-S underscore podcast. Until next time, check your locks and don't go out alone. I'm J.D. Hall. And this has been Urban Legends and Scary Stories.